As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to Armchair Radio, where every week we scour the web for the most off the wall or interesting news, odds to help you kill your day. From aliens to Atari and even Kanye West, we have something for everyone. And now, without further ado, your host, Chad and Brandon. So, I mean, I guess just a layman's version. This is all going to just be us, you know, just shooting the shit talking about it. Because yeah. neither of us are experts on this, but um, it seems like an argument is something that has. Uh, an if-then kind of quality to it. So uh, it can't just be something that is like a statement. Like if I just say, you know, uh, that bird is blue, that's just a statement. If I say that bird is blue because it eats uh, a certain kind of beetle, that's an argument. I'm making an argument to say, I know why that bird is the way it is. And I want to convince you that it's that way. It can't just be, oh, I'm just asserting it. It has to be, you know, if then kind of thing. So, so uh, uh, that's kind of the definition of an argument. Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, again, it's not the totally, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's uh, a more specific uh, wordy kind of definition, but uh, basically that's it. So anytime somebody says, so, so these fallacies that we're going to go over, that's errors in that kind of argumentation. So somewhere along the line, they're saying that um, they're using a, a, a form of logic that doesn't actually work. It's all logical uh, issues that, that we're kind of talking about. So sometimes it's convincing, but it's not actually functional. So whenever it comes to arguments, an argument can be sound, meaning that, so there's soundness and then there's truth, but the soundness of it is like mechanically, like a car. You can look at a car and say the car is sound because all of its parts are functioning. Now you don't know where the car is going, but you can say that the car is sound. That's kind of like the way you could think about the argument that you look at all the parts of the argument and you can say, okay, uh, there's no flaws in the grammar, I guess you could say. And then the truth value is, okay, now that you've asserted that this thing is working, now you can evaluate all of the different claims that it has. So, um, so you could say that bird is blue as part of it, or if a bird is blue, or if it's, you know, whatever, whatever the first claim is, you can judge how true it is. So then you can say, okay, there is a blue bird there. Okay. That's true. The second part, because it eats these beetles. Um, so then you can go and check that out too. So you're trying to like, kind of understand if what the argument is saying. And, and again, this is something that people go, you know, they spend years 
learning the math of this stuff. Like they transform statements into math in a weird way. So it'll be like X equals B because Y, you know, that kind of thing. So they take statements like, you know, that bird's blue because it eats uh, snails or whatever. They know how to take that and turn it into a math equation. Essentially, an argument is basically a block made of uh, smaller blocks. And the truth part of it is going over each individual block that makes up that yeah, one big like block that. and saying, is this true? Is this true? Or, you know. Yes. Like with a magnifying glass. Like if you're going to do it right, you know, if you're, right, whatever, right, I right. guess, professionally or whatever. Um, okay. that, that was the problem I always had whenever I was in critical thinking courses and stuff is that I'm just not that particular. I'm not that OCD about stuff. The ones that are, they do very well. Um, like we would, one exercise that we would do is like you bring in anything you find. Uh, number one, we had to figure out if something is an argument. So, you know, we just they'd give us examples or we'd go and try to scour the news or headline. It's not hard to find uh, bad arguments. They're everywhere. There, there's far more bad arguments than there are good arguments. And, um, what and would you consider instance, a bad argument? Like, what being um, well, like an ad hominem attack, um, or an ad hominem argument. That's, that's one of the ones, uh, we're going to talk about. That's where you, like, I would say that, well, you know, Chad, uh, is, he lives in Louisiana and people in Louisiana, I don't trust. So I'm not going to listen to anything Chad says, or, you know, oh, you're just one of those Republicans or, oh, you're just one of those Democrats. I don't have to listen to anything you say or that kind of thing. Right. Where basing, you're, basing your whole character off of one instance of a possible belief. Yeah. It's like you're basing it on the person instead of what they're saying. So you're ignoring what they're saying and you're saying, oh, it's just one of those people. Right. X, Y, Z, whatever it is, like you're a certain religion, you're a certain race, whatever, um, right, right. instead of listening to their, which is interesting because I see a lot of this gaining steam, at least with social media and things like that, because it is, con it's compelling to have that kind of language, you know, like Trump uses it, everybody uses it. Um, especially in politics, it's big, it's a big thing to say, you know, the left uses it too. They'll say, well, you're a white man, so I don't have to listen to anything you have to say. Right. That's exactly, that's an ad hominem attack. It has no real substance to it. Um, that, I mean, that's basically it for that one. It's basically just, you attack the person instead of the belief, but it's funny how, I mean, we just mentioned a couple examples. It's everywhere and people actually believe it. I guess that's where the, that's where the critical thinking comes in is that, you know, if somebody can tell you something very compelling, but it doesn't mean that you have to accept it and then, um, make decisions based on it. Instead, you can say, I refute that. I, I disagree because you're basically telling the, the reasoning that you're telling me this isn't um, either sound or true. And it shouldn't have any right. uh, bearing on what you do. But a lot of people will. They'll say, oh, OK, yeah, I don't like him either then. Right, and they won't even right. think about it. So that's not critical thinking. That's whatever. That's just thinking normally. Um, so critical thinking is really like you're trying to break down every little detail of what has been said. Which is, again, uh, even whenever I speak, I'm not that careful. So I'm sure I'm guilty of all this stuff, but it's good to think about. And um, I guess the reason I've been thinking about all of these fallacies lately and critical thinking in general is uh, it just it seems rampant right now and, and escalating the amount of trash that just gets through people's filters 
um, you know, ad hominem attacks are everywhere, literally everywhere. And it's one of the first things that politicians will go for. I mean, if you look at the, the fight between the left and right, it's basically one side saying the other side is evil and the other side saying the other side's evil. Right. And that's not, there's nothing to work with. How do you work with that? Well, and it's what leads to our conversations just going in circles. You know, I've, yeah, never, I've right. never had any kind of online conversation with somebody that had completely opposing viewpoints to me. Well, I'm not going to say never. There's, there's probably been a couple of times with uh, people I know kind of well. But right, for personally the, or something. Right. For the most part, no one ever like just all of, all of a sudden says, oh, what? You know what? You're right. I didn't see it that way. You know, it's right. The right. purpose of the conversation is always to prove like I'm, I'm guilty as well. It's always to prove ourselves right. It's not right. to find what is correct. Right. What is, I'd agree with what that. is the truth, you know? And I think that's right. where we're really messed up and, and need to, to shift the focus on trying to be right. Yeah, I mean, not to get into to politics too much, but right. Right. You know, I mean, uh, all this stuff will be political probably just because right. the nature of it, you know, it's where arguments happen. Congress and the house, not talking to each other, uh, for the stimulus bill to help with people that are displaced from COVID and, and whatnot, they haven't passed a bill, not because that's the good thing for the, the people. They haven't passed a bill because of their own party's need to win. Yeah. You know, and hatred, hatred for the other side. They just, it, it has nothing to do with the people. It is right. completely shot. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is that they're only using fallacious thinking. They're only right. thinking using the wrong way, but it's actually the, the weird thing is it's like the, all these people should know better. I would think they, they, they probably gone to school for all this stuff. They've definitely spent more time doing it than I have. Um, they should know better. But I think the, the scary thing, I guess for me is that they probably do. And they, but they know that this other way of arguing works better. Like another good one is uh, the, the bandwagon kind of thing you know, where everybody's doing it. So you should do it. That's a very compelling argument. It's actually the most psychologically compelling argument there is. So wait, uh, this it, is a, a separate fallacy. Yeah. This is like a different one. It's basically like the, um, uh, you know, everybody's doing it bandwagon kind of thing. There, some of these have many, many names too. You know, it's, uh, one of them's called, uh, if then whiskey or something like that. If, but it's like, what the fuck does that mean? The bandwagon approach is the most, effective means of changing someone's mind there is if you tell somebody everyone in your neighborhood is doing x you're going to want to do x that's you know it's just a fact that's how people work it's not a good argument though so that's kind of the issue is like there's compelling because it's emotional or because it's whatever rhetoric is what that is you're just talking and you're getting people to feel a certain way and but yeah so that's kind of the that's kind of the two poles it's like well what's really tasty or compelling and then what actually makes sense and usually they don't coexist so the ad hominem one that's just a kind of low-hanging fruit you know because everybody understands kind of fundamentally how that works even on a playground you know it's like oh you pushed me or you know and people just they fight each other first you know we learned to do that relatively early i think so a, a slippery slope that's a that's a totally different uh example or whatever but that's only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. 
Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. One where, um, you know, you start with something little, a minor thing, and then it, it leads to something else, leads to something else, leads to, and then before you know it, the world's over. You know, so it's like this really overpronounced uh, kind of kind of thing. So one example of that would be like safe injection sites. So, um, you know, people who are addicted to heroin and injectable drugs and stuff like that, their biggest risk is actually dirty needles. Um, so it's not actually the fact that they're doing the drugs that's so deadly most of the time. It's the fact right. that they have to do it in the circumstances they're in. Um, and so whenever someone talks about, oh, you know, we, maybe we should open up an, a safe injection uh, site or something, it usually goes like this. It's like, well, opening safe injection sites will lead to a catastrophic increase in drug use and drug abuse in the neighborhood. Um, more drug use would inevitably lead to more crime, especially violent crime. And then the neighborhood would be overrun with criminals and fall apart at the seams. So that's, that's an example. Right, of that, right. um, so how do you use fallacies? Um, they're mostly things to recognize and they're red flags. I guess I think of them that way. They're red flags. So, so you would kind of, if you, so you're reading uh, an article with someone arguing about flat earth or something, uh, right? you would take their argument and just kind of go down the list of these fallacies and kind of put them through the. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like that. Like um, you try to get familiar with all of these fallacies and they're the total number is like, I don't know, a hundred or something. There's a whole bunch. The idea is that if you familiarize yourself with all the wrong things to do uh, and you just don't do those wrong things, you should be well on your way to reasoning logically and without error. Right. So that's, a, that's the key. And so um, like, for instance, I guess if somebody's trying to become a marathon runner, they might try running and, you know, throwing around, a football and lifting weights and doing all this other stuff so that they can get to their goal of running further. But really only a few of those things will actually make a difference. You know, the rest is just extra, but if they think they're helping, then that's going to lead to poor outcomes. You know, you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get because it doesn't make any sense. Right. And so that's what the fallacies are trying to do is, is pretty much say, do the claims of the argument make sense or there are any way logical Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. And like, and sometimes they, uh, they bleed into one another. That happens a lot overlap, uh, where, you know, like a red herring is something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And so it, but it might be compelling or it might draw you off the topic. Right. Uh, right. So, so a lot of times people who like politicians, they're really good at exactly what you were talking about earlier, winning arguments. They're really good at winning. They're not good at being logical and doing the right thing or whatever. Or they're being good correct. At, or being correct. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they don't have to be correct in order to be persuasive. So it's almost like a lawyer in a way, like lawyers have to deal with facts of the case, but then there's also a lot of holes you know, they don't have all the facts. So they have to then use their best argument to try to push the case through. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's a certain amount of wiggle room. You don't always have all the facts. I just appreciate uh, just having it in the back of my mind. So whenever I hear somebody say something, I can kind of reference it and go, okay. It's also one of those things where you have to practice. If you practice this, uh, it'll become second nature. And then studies show that whenever people have critical thinking, uh, they've taken a class or whatever, they've studied it, that they tend to do much better in other areas of their life as well. Because the ability to just reason correctly 
really helps you. And like, for instance, if you're trying to run a marathon or something, you know, uh, right. and you just. So where does the uh, steel man, straw man, like, is that considered an argument style or where does that fit in? Like, the, so the straw man is a fallacy. So if I, if you give me an argument where you're like, like, if you tried to argue for universal income, uh, let's just say that that's, that's your argument, you know, want universal uh, income for people. I could then make a shitty version of your argument, which happens all the time again. And sometimes imperceptibly, you know, all these examples that we give are real obvious. Most of the time it's not so obvious, you know, it's, it's real little stuff. And, uh, but let's say that's your argument. You're like, yeah, universal income for people. That seems like a good idea. And then I could say, oh, he wants to take all the money from government and drain government. Then we won't have a government. And so sometimes these things right. can go together. So now it's a slippery slope too, you know, where, oh, he wants to drain the government and then that's going to do this and that's going to do that. And then we won't have a house. And then, you know, um, but again, yeah, they kind of overinflate the, the situation. Um, yeah, right. Um, yeah, that, I read that, that I read that paper that you had sent me um and it was kind of kind of describing it like straw man as uh like attacking the weakest part of your opponent's argument. Yeah, um, that's a great yeah. And like like you said uh, well you want free healthcare but are you want uh what you said universal income? Yeah, you yeah, I know. They kind of go together, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the guy's like, oh, well, you know, we just give money to everybody, you know, it's creating this character caricature of the weakest yeah. element and not giving any attention to the strongest parts of the element uh, of the right, argument. Right, yeah. right. And that, that kind of goes into bad faith and good faith arguments as well. Like yeah. you want to be charitable, as charitable as possible whenever you're, you're trying to, to figure out if an argument is, is uh, sound and if it's truthful. So in other words, you should be using the steel man argument, which is what you were saying earlier. That's whatever you do yeah. the opposite. So you try your very best to steel man the position, which means you're devil's advocate, but you're like made of asbestos. So like you can't burn, you, you know, you're trying your best to make a tank of your opponent's argument so that you can understand it. Right. And so right. Then, then you can show them that, look, even the best version of your argument isn't good enough. That's that's really compelling. Should be compelling. Well, I, I thought what what a key uh, part of that that article that you had sent, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was saying you switch your mindset from taking the the position of I'm in this to win. You change that to I'm in this to be correct and right to find so, the truth. Right. When you take the position of reinforcing your opponent's argument, it does a few things, which it, it now makes your opponent feel like their side has been hurt. And yes, yeah. really, 90% of the time, that's what most people want, want to be hurt. And so whenever you're reinforcing their argument and you, reinforcing the argument is just kind of stating their argument back to them with the intention of trying to understand it completely. And so yeah. what you would be looking for after that would be for the other person, you know, to kind of grade your assessment of their argument. And so, you know, hopefully you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. And it's after that, that you can possibly start making progress and in, into tearing down some of the argument or you take their argument and that's the focus of your quote unquote attack. Instead of the weakest part of it, you, you yeah. attack the, the, the main argument. 
it's, right. it's it's stronger because it allows people to be more open to the possibility of them being wrong. That's a very big possibility is that once you understand their argument completely, perhaps you're, you know, right. you might then say, okay, well, you, you know what? You're right. That is the correct way to do this or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not necessarily all about trying to convince them that you're right. It's about trying to see if their argument holds up. Um, yeah. It's about the argument, not about the person. I think that's, again, it's like the ad hominem. Thing. Right. It, it'd be great right. if we could get past people. You know, just get past people. I do remember a quote that was something like a good argument is like a crossbow. It's just as powerful in the hands of a child as a grown person because oh, it's already cocked yeah. and ready. Right, right. So it doesn't matter who you are. You, if it's a sound argument, it's a sound argument. And that's not the case today. You know, as a blank, 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 I think, you know, that's like how everybody starts their, their statements now. And that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It shouldn't mean anything anyway. There's another one I wanted to talk about that was uh, the intentionality fallacy, uh, which reminds me a lot of the truth effect that uh, Foucault talked about. It's basically that intentionality of a product, mostly it's, it's concerning art and writing. Uh, the intentionality of the author or the artist uh, shouldn't be taken into account as much as what everybody else has made of it, you know, as, as what the art itself has shown itself to be, which, you know, I, I, I'd have to agree with that. There are times where I think, well, like I've kind of looked into how historians look at things. You know, you do want to know what the, what the original intention was uh, if you're trying to get a full picture. However, it does seem to be the case that when you make something and it goes out into the world and you're not there, it, your intentions don't matter as much, you know? And that's kind of what you were saying before uh, one of our previous podcasts, you're talking about the red square, right, uh, right. And the blue circle, you know, you, if you called it a blue circle, it doesn't really matter because if you painted a red square, other people would see that and they'd say, Oh, it's a red square. You know, you'd have a really tough fight well, ahead well, to try the, to convince. The point them. is it, it doesn't matter if it is a blue circle. If everyone that sees it says it's a red square, then it's a red square. Right. Right. Uh, it's just because it's the majority of people see it that way. And so therefore that that's what they call it. So if they happen to see it the way that we would think is incorrect, it's still, you know, if everybody sees it that way. Right. So that's Correct. kind of, yeah. that's kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of a difference there because that seems like more of a populist kind of idea. Like it depends on what most people see. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if everybody jumps off the bridge, would you go kind of thing? Well, and, um, you know, kind of like the, uh, was it the golden black dress that floated around social media a few years ago? What's that about? It was this dress. And I think it was a picture of a dress and like, I don't know how big. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It became a viral thing, but some people saw it as, I think it was black, and some people saw it as gold. Or It was definitely two what? different colors. 
uh, that okay. might have been kind of close together. Gotcha. Uh, but people were arguing back and forth about it. Well, I mean, it wasn't wasn't so much as an argument. It's like, oh, I see black and I see gold. It was, it was just that. Oh, and cars. You ever have some? You ever have a friend who's like, that car is green, and you're like, no, that car is blue, dude. Like, you ever have that where you go back and forth? That, that just sounds green like color blindness. <laughs> oh yeah, it could be, could be. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, but it's usually uh, concerning art and reading and or or literary work is where it's usually used so well because the creator is not there when you're consuming the content you know it's not like a video right. where you see the person saying it and you can hear inflection and tone and all that you know words right. and, and art are just completely subjective yeah like there's some pieces where they say well you know the artist's intention was to you know to spread peace and love and then the work actually ends up spreading hatred and anger well, that's what the work did. You know, it doesn't really matter what they intended. And it kind of makes me think also of like the Me Too movement and like sexual harassment, because, you know, it used to be that someone's intention was important. You know, like, oh, I didn't intend to offend you or, you know, whatever. Uh, now it's not the case because people say, well, you did. So it doesn't really matter what you meant to do. And so in cases like that, I actually kind of, I'm kind of still in the middle because, you know, that's a court case kind of issue, kind of like a historian you want to know everything you want to go into all that and see, okay, well, you know, like, again, if somebody murders someone and they didn't intend to, well, I don't think you should give them the same outcome. You well, know, it's, it's manslaughter. It, it's not right. Murder. Exactly. But that's only because of intention. Right. So that kind of refutes this idea in a way, but it, it depends. I mean, whenever it comes to art, I kind of more agree with it. You know, when you, when you talk about the murder case, I think you're kind of taking it out of the realm of argument into a realm of action you know so maybe you know the fallacies don't necessarily have have to work in instances of action as much as uh deciphering argument you know what i mean uh well but you'd still be arguing about the person's uh like the court case would be an argument about what to do with the person so in that case you would still want to know intentionality and all that because you're still trying to decide there's still facts that you're dealing with right and then you're trying to decide well does intentionality matter in this case you know, you did end up murdering someone, whether you meant to or not, you know, and that's where we go into like right, right. Uh, insanity pleas and things. Cause it's like, well, you didn't know what you were doing, but oversimplification, uh, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's basically taking many reasons for something and turning it into just one reason. Like whenever people say, uh, oh, the, the reason for children to be depressed is because social media and that's it. You know, they just, they try to sum it up in one thing. Right. So again, I mean, I see all these things everywhere, literally everywhere. And a lot of the most compelling things, uh, kind of getting back to the idea of like algorithms and how they interface with our brains, they seem to favor this kind of content anyway, because it's it's more emotive. A lot of the best arguments aren't going to be that emotive. They're just going to be true. <laughs> you know, they're just, and sometimes we don't like them. You know, we don't like that it's true. Uh, like there was the examples, uh, like in previous podcasts, you talked about the unleaded gasoline and that, um, or leaded gasoline causing, uh, people to have uh, lower IQs and things like that too. And then whenever it was removed, you know, it had a big decrease in violent crime is what you were talking about. It was an increase in crime during the eighties, uh, during they, that time. Okay. Yeah. They yeah, attribute yeah. the leaded gasoline to causing, uh, mental illness, which it, there is, oh, wow. there's a proven link to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. but some scientists believe that's what led to the rise in crime during the eighties was the overabundance of lead fumes in the air. 
Right. It kind of makes sense too. I mean, just what we know about lead and all. The other aspect of that is, you know, uh, or another argument, I guess, is that, you know, abortion becoming legalized and Roe versus Wade actually had the effect of, and I think uh, uh, Adam Conover, that's where I learned about it, actually. He said that abortion actually caused a knock-on effect of um, lowered violent crime because by the time those, the, by the time the kids who got aborted would have been like 15 to 18, which is prime violent age for boys, mostly, uh, it would have been like 18 years later and that's when the violent crime dropped. So I don't know, I just think it's important to have all these things kind of in the back of our mind and just to think about them. Particularly the steel man argument, to me that seems like a very effective way of getting to the truth because essentially what it's doing is just putting your argument aside to understand their argument. So right. you're taking the right. first step, you know, you're, you're not trying to make them understand your argument. You're putting yours aside, understanding their argument and going from there, which I mean, just seems like something that is very much needed in our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the steel man aspect, um, it takes a special person to kind of do that thing because you have to really believe the other side, um, in order to fight for it. You know, it, it's hard to steal man, Like you got to at least somewhat believe it in order to really push it. You know, from what I understand, and you definitely have more education than I do on it. Uh, but there's uh, a video by Ebiz facts on YouTube. I'll post that in the show notes as well. All right. Yeah. Uh, but it pretty much shows uh, an argument between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. So Jordan was arguing uh, on the behalf of religion and Sam Harris was arguing on the behalf of science. Uh, wow. And in, in the video, they both still man each other. Interesting. Uh, it's very interesting to watch. And so they didn't necessarily uh, try to believe what the other person was saying uh, as much as just try to understand what the person was saying in the way that Got you okay that okay so so if you give me an argument it's like okay so let me understand this correctly and then i restate the argument back to you matching what what you believe you know what i mean right right like repeating the question so that both parties agree to the terms right right restating it back to him so that you can actually understand it kind right, of how they right. say the easiest way to learn something is to teach somebody how to do it that's how you yeah know, right you know yeah yeah uh, so it's like knowing their argument and not necessarily agreeing with it, but at least understanding what they're saying enough to repeat it back to them. So when Sam Harris did that, Jordan Peterson was, you know, pretty much acknowledged like, yeah, perfect. You know, okay. and then he did it back to Jordan Peterson, which left them both in agreement. You know, so right, right. Kinda, they didn't solve anything but they weren't um, at odds. Like they, yeah. they understood each other's arguments. That's good, man. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that'd super, be, that'd be super interesting. It'd be wonderful if we had more of that in general, you know, like you're saying, if, if people were more apt to, and, and, you know, I don't know where that starts from. I don't know if that's something we need to teach in school. Uh, you know, I wouldn't make on parents teaching their kids this stuff because they don't even know it, like you said before. I mean, obviously, it can be a, a learned in the classroom type of thing. Right. But I, th I think it's one of those things that could be basic enough. Everybody doesn't have to understand what a steel man argument is. They just need to change the motive of the argument. 
Yeah, um, that's true. You know, kind of like true. I said a little earlier, like instead of going into the argument to win, go in the argument to find truth or to yeah. uh, to convince. Whether that's convincing them or you, we'll see at the end of the argument. You also have to be willing to accept a correct or a logical point of view. Right. You have to be willing to accept that maybe what you're saying has more flaws than what they're saying. Right. And yeah. And that maybe what you're saying is just emotionally very compelling to you. Usually stuff travels because it, it tastes good to people. They listen to it and then they go, Ooh, I like that. There's a lot of things out there that, that just people are attracted to. Again, with politicians, that's one of their favorite things to, to harp on is all the things that are, uh, you know, your deepest wounds and your most proud moments. Let's see how we can put that in everything. Let me see how I can manipulate that. And that's another part of it. That's a, that's a thing we didn't even bring up, but manipulation. Uh, you're a lot harder to manipulate if you're not using, you know, your emotional uh, uh, aspects to, to get through conversation or to get through the argument. Uh, if you can use these goalposts, like these really concrete ideas about what's, what's uh, good reasoning and what isn't, uh, it should help, you know, it should help people to uh, keep their own sensibilities about what they believe. And like, again, like whenever we talk about the, uh, the bubbles, you know, people who are stuck in their own bubble, uh, that should help with that too. Because, you know, like I like to ingest media from everywhere. If I can, I like to just get it from whatever I can get it from because I am confident that I can spot when something is fishy. I'm confident that I can reason well enough whenever someone presents me with an argument um, and I can say, mm, I don't know, you know, this seems fishy, this seems odd, whatever. Um, so, so you and believe I that you're impervious to manipulation? Oh, not at all. But I do, I do think that I, I am able to stay afloat in unfamiliar waters. And I think that's, that's a key aspect. If I didn't have critical thinking behind, you know, if I didn't have that training, the little bit I have, if I didn't have that, I don't know that I'd be able to, uh, to do that. You know, if you, and that's, it seems like I get a lot of, uh, like I tell some of my other friends, I say, you know, I like to listen to things from the right. I like to listen to things from the left. I don't necessarily like it, but I like to do it because I want to see what their argument is. I really want to see it. I want to see it from the horse's mouth. Like, what does this mean? You know, what I, what I usually get from them is, Oh, uh, from the people who are on my side, you know, whatever that side that is, uh, they usually say, Oh, be careful. And I'm like, what do you mean? Be careful. They're like, well, you know, you don't want to get uh, brainwashed or something. And that's kind of what I'm saying is like, I'm not really worried about getting brainwashed because I've, I've trained myself to at least notice some of the basic stuff. And again, advertising uses this language too. And I feel like I'm also kind not impervious, but I definitely notice all the moving parts whenever an advertisement shows me a happy family eating Kentucky fried chicken. Oh, I yeah. know that they're just saying, Oh, you know, you'll be happy if you eat the Kentucky fried chicken or whatever. Oh, I, I um, agree. And I, I feel, you know, the same way, uh, like during the Saints game last night, there was both an Amazon and a Walmart commercial. Uh, and I don't know, you know, Walmart just came out with Walmart plus, which is supposed to be a competitor to prime. Well, it's good. There's finally uh, a competitor though. But both of them had commercials that were like very family oriented. It was like holiday kind of loving, right. warm feeling. And it was like, I saw the Amazon commercial and I already picked up on what they're, I was like, what, what are these people selling? And right. I think it was like a, a flashlight, but he ordered through the commercial, he orders it off of Amazon or something like that. Right. Uh, it's I know this got a lot right? with yeah. like music for sure. 
you you can change the whole feel of something with you, you, oh, yeah. sound, not even necessarily music. Uh, <laughs> right, it right. Me, it reminds me of those drug commercials. Whenever you watch a drug commercial and it's like, may cause bleeding and anal dysfunction and blah, it's going through all this stuff. <laughs> and then there's the music and then there's the people like playing tennis or whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> My God, do they really think that we don't notice all of the what this guy's saying for a minute? Right. It's like, you might die, who knows? When I was watching, um, I think it's called The 100. It's almost like a game show, I guess. But uh, oh, essentially weird. you're watching these this group uh, and they get a hundred people and all these people are, are just a number. Uh, and okay. then they start running different psychological tests on them just to kind of see, you know, what percentage of people choose chocolate or whatever, just these different, right. each episode is like a different thing. You know, I did my, my senior thesis in, in art school kind of on similar stuff. So it, it's a yeah, little right. like beginner level into that kind of psychology, uh, right. but it is pretty cool. So they took two groups of people randomly chosen. I, I think it was, they split it in half. So I think it was 50 and 50. Okay. And they showed them clips of heavy machinery accidents. So Ooh. like cranes falling over, you know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, and the first group, they showed it with uh, no music, no whatever. It was just the actual uh, sound from the video. Okay. Uh, at the end of the video, they asked them how many people thought the video was funny. And there was like four people or something like that. It was a very small number, but they were like, oh, okay. it's kind of funny to see clips of these, the sociopaths. Of these crazy things happening. Well, they didn't right. even call them sociopaths because it was, it was any video you would scroll through Facebook. And oh, okay. Kind of, okay. Like, kind of like a fails video. It wasn't violent. It wasn't like somebody getting crushed. It was just like uh, the machine falling over or something. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like gory or anything like that. Oh, okay, like okay. One of the examples was uh, like the Tour de France and they showed a bicyclist in front falls and like the whole thing crashes. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's funny. I'd well, laugh at that. <laughs> I mean, and some people did. <laughs> right. right, uh, right. <laughs> but then they took the second group and what they did was they added a laugh track to the video. And so uh -huh. in certain spots, like when the guy falls with the bike, you know, you kind of hear like this crowd laughing or whatever. And yeah. like almost everybody in the entire group thought the video was funny and it was the same video. Mm. Yeah. Well, and so I'm just saying the effects of sound or music mood. Yeah. That kind of mood oh, it, music. It, dude, it, it absolutely affects you. Yeah. Um, that's, well, it makes me it, wonder one reason that I think or that I believe uh, Christian music is so effective uh, oh, because they use, they use very specific chords. I have many friends that play music and a lot of them play church gigs on Sunday. Okay. Uh, and I know a majority of them aren't even Christian. Right. And, but yet they're playing worship music. So it's not like God's playing music through them. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Uh, the mystical part isn't there. It's just a psychology. It's, it's the notes. It, it's okay. Those, so it's those like all... sounds kind of bring you into that kind of emotional state. Right. Um, That's weird. I mean, just, just the fact that sounds can do that is strange by itself. It seems to only work for people. Like we don't know. I mh mean, I don't know. Well, I've seen dogs like howl to different songs and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, no, it might be. I don't know. There's, there's probably some, uh, that's what we'll do next time. Maybe we'll find some animal videos of, of animals with music. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think it's definitely, 
more connected to us and the universe kind of planet. I mean, a sound wave naturally exists and all music is, is vibrating sound waves at different frequencies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's I weird. think it definitely has, I mean, our bodies vibrate on a specific frequency. The earth vibrates on a specific frequency. So music to be able to affect our emotions that way, it almost kind of makes sense to me because yeah, right. this is a sound wave. You know what I mean? It's just a yeah, frequency. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just like scary music. You know what I mean? We used oh to- man, the spider sound, the spider sound from arachnophobia, right. that, dunk, 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 that little like, oh God, the like plinky, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, there, there's a reason it's very similar soundtracks for, you know, rom-coms as a, and, and all horror movies have very similar soundtracks. It's, it's, it's very effective. That um, makes me think about, uh, especially the laugh track aspect. Um, Cause I love comedies. I love comedies of all kinds. And I have noticed that there is a, just a different feeling to comedies if they have a laugh track or if they don't have a laugh track. And I'm not really sure that I come on, you know, I think it's just uh, depends on the situation, maybe and it depends on the effect that they're trying to go for. But um, I don't know. It's like it can start to feel kind of cheap because of that, you know, because it once you add a laugh track, it's kind of it's funny no matter what, or it feels funny no matter what, even if the actual joke wasn't that good or, you know, whatever. Um, But then sometimes things feel empty if they don't have a laugh track. You know, like if I watch, uh, well, like The Office. The Office was great because there was no laugh track. It's just them, you know, doing their thing. And I think it would be horrible with a laugh track. Oh, absolutely. It it would make it feel 90s. (laughs) 90s. It would feel like watching Family Matters or something, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's weird that the laugh tracks can be just so obvious, you know, the, the, the effect they have can be so obvious and it still works, you know? And then at the same time, if you're sitting at home, that's another thing is if you're sitting at home by yourself, you probably won't even laugh because it's just you, you know, it's like, but if you're with people, there's a good chance you're going to laugh because you're with people. I know you don't watch sports, but, uh, you know, since the NFL started playing again, uh, they weren't allowing fans in. And the very first game I saw, didn't have any kind of sound and oh that's weird super freaking weird man like oh man it, it really took a lot of the excitement out of the game oh. um but the next game i watched like it was uh, the saints game uh they put a crowd track behind it and dude it made such really? a big fucking difference even though it was fake even, that's though, amazing. even though you knew it was fake Oh my God. That's yeah, it, amazing. It made a, a real big difference. Um, another good example is, uh, and it's called uh, Horace and Pete. It's on Hulu. Have you seen it's that? New? No. no, no, this is probably like 2016. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, no, I haven't seen it though. It, it's basically, it's a drama and it's about him. He's Horace and his brother's Pete. I believe that's how it goes. Um, and they own a bar that has like an apartment on top of it. And that's kind of the whole premise of the thing. Uh, but they don't have any soundtrack, any laugh track. It's, it was really weird. It's almost like watching a play on TV. You know oh. what I mean? Like, you know how a play just, it's just silent. It's just kind of flat talking. Yeah. yeah. But the discussion is like the writing is freaking incredible. Uh, okay. I, I want to say I counted like a 15-minute monologue of uh, Horace, like sitting down having tea. Uh, it, it, you should wow. check it out. It's pretty crazy. 
Um, all right, man, I guess that's it about arguments. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see you next time. All right, man. See you later. Thanks for listening to Armchair Radio. We release a new podcast every Tuesday, so please click that follow button so you can hear what we talk about next. If you're interested in any of the topics that we've covered, check out our website, armchairradiopodcast.com, where we have links to everything in our show notes. If you've enjoyed the show, please share with your friends. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts exist. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.